واستعمل ابداننا لطاعتك ووفقنا لما تحب وترضى من القول والعمل والفعل والنيه والهدى انك على كل شيء قدير اللهم علمنا ما ينفعنا وانفعنا بما علمتنا وزدنا علما وعملا اللهم يا حي يا قيوم انا نسالك علما نافعا وعملا متقبلا امين رب العالمين beloved brothers and sisters dear listeners السلام عليكم ورحمه الله وبركاته a very warm welcome to those who are visiting first time, those who are returning after many weeks of absence, and those who are, alhamdulillah, um, irregulars. Um, and this is a tawfiq from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that we are here tonight, and we ask Allah that He did not deprive us of this tawfiq, and may we repent from any and all such mistakes and sins which would deprive us of gatherings of knowledge and the remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is Something, you know, a person uh, once said to a, a scholar that, uh, you know, people say if you make mistakes, you get punished. And I've led a life of sin and I have nothing really goes wrong in my life. Everything is going s- beautiful and smooth. So where is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's punishment? So he asked him, when was the last time you stood up at night while everyone was asleep, left your bed and stood up in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on the prayer mat? He said, that I haven't done for years. He said, what other sin, what other punishment would you like besides that? That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has deprived you from allowing you to stand up in front of Him and speak with Him. What other punishment are you looking for? Greater than the fact that you have been deprived of speaking to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, of being allowed an audience with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Subhanallah. If only we can understand the depth and the truth of this statement. So that is why we should constantly be seeking forgiveness from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, from any such mistakes which would make us deprived of His ibadah. We should renew our niyyah that we're here to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, to practice on whatever we, good we hear and to share it with others. And we also begin our dars by making this dua that Ya Allah, allow us to share and hear those things which are most needed for my life. At this, at this specific occasion, at this specific time in my life, whatever conditions and ahwal and problems I'm going through, Ya Allah, you have the solution. The Quran has a solution. Allow me to be able to simply hear it. And if we are sincere in this dua, then inshallah, most definitely, we'll be able to hear our uh, solutions. <laughs> Alhamdulillah, last week we covered the introductory uh, discussion of Surah Nur, and um, um, I'm sorry, Surah Mu'minun. And Alhamdulillah, uh, you know, to, to the efforts of one of our beloved students, Alhamdulillah, he wrote all the notes out under the tafsir, uh, the link of that. So if you go back to yes, last week's tafsir, you can see what we covered. We covered introduction to the to the uh, to the mu'minun, um, the intricacy of the Arabic language, and then the subjectivity of success and the craze for consumerism. Uh, we talked about conflating your current position with your destination, and then the various uses of the word aflaha in the Quran. Uh, we talked about that this dunya, the nature of this dunya is battle. You're always getting hit with various waves of difficulty and that's part of what this world is about that you have to stand up and stay strong we talked about how the quran gives given us examples of success and and failure from various places and we also learned who are those that allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says are successful and who are the ones that rasulullah said are successful those who fear allah those who do good those who are thankful those who are uh, count allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's blessings 
those who are intelligent and understanding the big picture, those who submit to the will of Allah, uh, those who are content with whatever risk Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives. All of these people from the words of Allah and the words of Rasulullah are uh, successful. And we talked about, we ended with the session with the fact that Iman is not something that is, uh, you know, just easily actualized. It's not something easy. It's easy to claim, but to actually have it, it requires a lot of effort. When a person walks in, if a person walks in with a lab coat and with a clipboard and a stethoscope, he doesn't automatically become a doctor. He may claim it. There are quacks who claim to be things of that sort. They walk like a physician, they act like one, they may speak like one, but it doesn't make it. There's decades of effort, decades of effort to become into a successful physician. So similarly, to believe, to claim to be a believer is easy. To, to walk around and saying, I'm a mu'min. Of course I'm a Muslim, I'm a mu'min. Jannah is written for me. Who else is it for? It's not for the XYZ, it's for believers. I'm a believer, what else do you expect? So that's easy to make these type of claims and to uh, console ourselves and to not allow ourselves to be, to be hard on our own selves. We tell ourselves, Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah, I'm a Muslim, I'm a believer, what else you want? But we learn from these verses, like why we spoke about it last week, that the, that the Allah Azza wa Jalla, when He says, Qadha Fulaha Al-Mu'minun, He didn't leave it at that. He gave one after another, one after another, one after another, qualities and uh, qualifications of a believer. And as these qualities are mentioned, you realize that the circle of the believers starts getting smaller and smaller and smaller. Right, so you have this huge circle of everyone's claiming to be believers, 1.2 billion people. But as these verses come about and explaining what the believer is, we start realizing that, uh, man, this da'ira or this circle of believers is actually much smaller than where we started off from. So the goal of, of all of this is to reflect upon our own selves to see how many of these qualities are found within myself and uh, those that I do not have, I make shukr for what I do have. And what I don't have, I cannot leave this gathering without making this firm resolve that I need to work on getting those qualities in me. And then we work on it till next week. And then work on it till next week and see week by week how we are how we are doing. <clears throat> so the first thing that we see here, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, mentions here that um, the the quality of mu'minun alladhinahum fi salatihim khashi'un right? Those who attain humility those who attain humility in their salah. And so let's speak about what Nabi alayhi salatu wasalam has mentioned regarding the salah. And this is the, by the way, the crux of the surah, this first page. I'm sure any of you who studied the surah know that this is what the surah is named after. Qad aflaha al-mu'minun, the first verse. Right? This is the main thing. So we will spend whatever time is required on these on these verses, as long as Allah wills, and inshallah to, to do justice to them, and then we will move on to, uh, you know, in the next sections that are, that are there. So the first thing here is salah. And what did Nabi alayhi salatu wasalam say about it, about salah? We know Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam mentioned that this was qurratu aini, ju'ilat qurratu aini fi salah. The happiness of my life, the, uh, the, uh, the coolness of my eyes has been placed in, in salah. And the, what does that mean? That when you look at someone praying, or you get an opportunity to pray, then every single thing, every difficulty seems insignificant. 
Like a person, Qurrat Ain. What is Qurrat Ain? A person is so tired and, and, and had a difficult day outside at work and he comes home and he sees, say, his toddler, right? Little baby running to the door to welcome, welcome you. What happens? This is what we call the apple of the eye, the coolest of the eyes. A person grabs and picks up. He doesn't say, oh, I'm too tired. You know, I had a bad day with our boss. Khalas, go from here. He picks up that little kid and, you know, the little baby and snuggles with him and plays with him. And what happens? This becomes a, a, literally a reason why a person forgets all his problems for that duration. This is the coolness of the eye. That when you look at something, it's, it's beautiful. It just makes you forget everything. Nabi alayhi salatu is saying that the coolness of my eyes is in salah. And, he, and that's why he would tell Bilal radiallahu anhu, Arihna ya Bilal. Oh Bilal, which translates, Arihna, iraha means to give me, uh, uh, you know, comfort. Give me comfort, O oh Bilal. Meaning, we are so anxiously waiting for salah. Please, can you give the adhan? This is more likely, it fits our example, <laughs> when we had a long roza, huh? long fast, by jalli. Yeah, please give the adhan, man. Somewhere must have been sunset, no? The, you know, don't have to be the most strict here on this side. Where the Ruhafza is there, the cold water is there, it's a 19 hour hot fast. SubhanAllah, we'll quickly give the adhan a maghrib so we can drink our, uh, our enjoyable sharbat and break our fast. So like, just like our person is like, Alhamdulillah, adhan has been called and you enjoy your date and your, uh, your zamzam and whatever else it may be after a long day of fasting. Nabi alayhi for every salah, it's arihna ya bilal. Please give me the comfort of hearing the adhan. So this is allowing me to escape all the issues of this world and transport myself into the court of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? This is serious. This is how the companions all were. It's a chance for them to escape the problems of this world. If only we recognize, if only I and you were to recognize the value of salah, of what salah is about, and that we were able to appreciate it, it would have been a whole different thing. I remember when I was in studying in South Africa, one day, the defense minister of the country came to visit. <clears throat> and uh, so he had, he had a lunch with the principal and, and so forth. And then he came after Salatul Dhuhr. They said, oh, this, the, the minister is here. So we're going to have a short students program. So one of the students, he gave a talk on, on how the first people who helped, who supported the Muslims and who gave a, a home to the Muslims who were migrating were the Abyssinians, right? Where the first hijrah took pl place to Africa. And how the people of Africa were the first people who gave uh, a place to the, to the companions. So it was a really powerful um, you know, speech of one of the students. And then another student did Quran and whatnot. Now, just, just a side point. I remember they offered him a chair. Because I was sitting right there. And they offered him a chair. And he said, no, no. When every, if everyone is sitting on the ground, how can I sit on a chair? Right? So literally, he sat. It was so uncomfortable for him. But he sat on the floor. He sat on the floor with his suit and with his bodyguards, everything, he sat on the floor. He said, now how can I sit on a chair where the student's sitting on the floor? Then after that, I gave a speech. And at one point, what he said, nice speech, you know. But one of the things he mentioned in the speech, why I'm sharing this with you, is he said, I don't want to wait for an invitation. Don't think you have to invite me. Your principal invited me. No, 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 no. I'm not an outsider that needs to be invited. I'm not an outsider that needs to be invited to attend your seminary, your madrasa, and this place to visit. I want to be regarded as an insider that can come here anytime. Then the point he said, he said, I find this place to be like an oasis that a person walking through a desert 
who is very thirsty and tired and hungry and he's lost and how happy and excited he finds when he gets when he finds an oasis that's got fresh water and food available and shade that is exactly how I feel coming over here that running away from the outside world this environment of the madrasa is like an oasis imagine this is a non-muslim minister of defense but what does he see? he's got some fitrah inside his heart he's got some innate nature in his heart that he can sense that there is something here that's not found anywhere else so similarly, when, when a person looks for it in salah, yani, yani non-Muslim is saying that. As believers, how much should we feel the comfort in the masjid? That if you have stress, brothers and sisters, if you have stress, you have got problems in your life, the first place you need to come and the last place you need to come is the house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Most definitely use all the means that are available out there. Doctors, therapists, the hospitals, etc, etc. But the first and the last place where we have to start off our journey should be the house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And you will see just by coming here, I'm sure all of us, mashallah, have been here sitting for the past 15 minutes, 20 minutes since before Aisha, already you feel a, a, a calmness, sakina, just by just sitting in the house of Allah. Uh, try this again and again. You're, you're, stress, you're going through stress in your life, anxiety at home, anxiety at work. Come do fresh wudu and come to the masjid. And pray one salah with jama'ah. And even if there's no talk taking place, you finish the salah with jama'ah, pray your sunnah, pray your two rakat nafil, make some dhikr and then dua, and see how that makes you feel. If, trust me, 50% of your worry and stress will be out before you even leave the doors of the masjid. Any masjid. Because this is where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's mercy resides. Allahumma ftahli abwaaba rahmatik. When you're entering the masjid, you enter with your right foot and you say, Oh Allah, open up the doors of your mercy. When you open those doors of the masjid to enter, you're not opening the wooden or metal doors of the masjid, you're opening doors of Allah's mercy. And that's a dua you and I have been taught to recite when we enter. And so we should be visualizing this as we enter and you open up those doors. That the, the, just like a, the, the AC uh, comes forth in a hot summer day from the inside of the masjid, similarly you should think that the breeze of Allah's rahmah is hitting you. And with that, your anxiety, your stress, your problems, your worry, any issues that you are facing with are being pushed away. And not just the, the problems of the dunya, but more importantly the problems of qabr and akhirah. As a person said, that if a person cannot solve problems of this dunya, including bringing a loaf of bread home with his two rakat salah, how can he expect to solve the problems of the qabr and akhirah with his salah? Meaning the basic thing that our salah should be able to do is to give you your loaf of bread, to give you your basic necessities, to take care of your needs. Salah, along with that, everything else. Let's look at what the Qur'an, who's saying this? Allah says this. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, We did this in Surah Taha, last page of Surah Taha. وَأْمُرْ أَهْلَكَ Order your family, command your family to perform salah. وَاصْطَبِرْ عَلَيْهَا And remain steadfast on it. لَا نَسْأَلُكَ رِزْقَ We are not asking you for sustenance. We're not asking you to give your family food. We're not asking you to provide for yourself. نَحْنُ نَرْزُقُكَ We are the ones who shall provide for you. وَالْعَاقِبَةُ نَحْنُ نَرْزُقَكَ وَالْعَاقِبَةُ لِلتَّقْوَى The end result will be for those who have uh, God consciousness within them. So we learn from here that salah, the basic, basic thing, if someone says, 
you know, you have a need and you say, brother, go pray salah. Ya namaz, with salah, how is my need going to get fulfilled? Then brother, if your salah can't fulfill your basic need, how do you think it's going to get you through the punishment of the grave? How is it going to save you from the punishment of the grave? How is it going to save you from the horrors of the day of judgment? How is it going to get you through hisab? What are you talking about? If salah you think cannot give you your basic necessities of this world, cannot solve your basic problems of this world, how do you think this is going to take care of, of the bigger, major issues that are yet to come? So this type of statement we shouldn't say. If how many people are going through financial problems. They're worried. Naturally, worry is there. You're trying to look for a second job. You're trying to look for a better investment. This, this, that. But let's not neglect our salah. That how about husband and wife, they make this pact. Older boys and girls in the house make this pact. That along with all of us looking for work, how about all of us pray two rakat salah every single day? Specifically, salatul hajjah. That ya Allah, through the barakah of this, please increase the sustenance of this house. Because this is what the Quran is clearly saying. Pray salah, and I'm not asking you for risk, I'll give it to you. But if we are neglecting, we're neglecting our prayers, four out of the six people of the house don't even pray fard salah, and the two pray once in a while, what do you expect? And if there's even risk coming, is that going to be barakat? Is there going to be barakat in that risk? What does barakat risk mean? Barakat doesn't mean ching, 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 tons of money. No, barakat risk means that this risk does not make you arrogant in front of Allah. This risk doesn't make you disobedient of Allah. This risk doesn't make you extravagant. This risk does not make you forget Allah's rights and the rights of the humanity in your wealth. This risk doesn't make you forget your poor relatives and parents and, and others who, who have a right upon you. Right? That this risk does not make you forget the, 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 the directions to the house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's what you call barakah in the risk. And also barakah in the risk means that you're not always having unnecessary unexplainable expenses, left and right. This one's sick, that one is sick. This one thing broke down, that thing broke down. There's no barakah in there. Right? So the barakah is that there's a lot of benefit, even though the means may be small. That barakah will not come if we're neglecting the orders of Allah, especially salah. That is why uh, Nabi ﷺ said in that hadith, That a man may be deprived from sustenance due to a sin that he commits. A man may be deprived, a person may be deprived of risk and sustenance due to a sin that they commit. Do we think about that? That sins are a reason that a person may be deprived of sustenance. Okay, and good deeds will be a reason you will get more sustenance. For example, there was two companions of the Prophet two brothers. One brother came to Rasulullah and said, Ya Rasulullah, well, my brother is always sitting in your company, sitting in the masjid. And he is sitting, enjoying, you know, mashallah, sitting in the masjid with you, learning from you. I'm out there working. This is not fair. I'm out there working, hustling, and he's sitting in your company. You know, shouldn't, be, you know, shouldn't he be also coming working, etc. What beautiful answer Rasulullah gave him, he said, لَعَلَّكَ تُرْزَقُ bihi. It is very possible that the sustenance that you're even getting outside is because of your brother. Because your brother is sitting with me, studying the deen, and because you are taking care of the expenses of the house, which includes the expenses of your brother who is a student of knowledge, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is actually giving you sustenance because of him. What does that tell us? That giving sadaqah and charity in various causes, including supporting students of knowledge. You think money is going out, but in reality, a person, the risk he's enjoying is because of that. How many brothers here will tell me stories, amazing stories, of how they gave, you know, uh, uh, you know a, a risk, I'm sorry, how they gave it in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's path, and how Allah jalla jalalhu has given them. The brothers, right, sitting, some of the brothers sitting here, some of them brothers who are regular, they'll tell me stories that if you, you know, it would be a nice book to write, 
of just uh, uh, testimonies from people who said, you know, that's, uh, in, you know, there's no limit, by the way. You say, well, what's the threshold? There is no threshold. A brother was telling me he was making about $150,000. $150. About four years ago, he started giving Allah subhanahu path. And the duas were made for him. Usually, we always have a habit here of making lots of dua for anyone who requests any type of dua whenever in our fundraising nights. And so, subhanAllah, within a matter of four years, he was saying that I had another job elsewhere. And he's like, it's too far away. So I shut that job. I just closed that up. I said, I can't, I can't, you know, I'm taking away from my family too long, this, that, that. So he said, I stopped going somewhere else. And then, um, he just continued to work from one place. And he said, no, nothing add, no extra marketing cost, no extra investment on the place to make it nicer, bigger. That same place, which was giving him 125, 150, he said, this year I, I made a million. Within less than four years. And while the other place that he was working, he stopped going there. He said, SubhanAllah, how Allah made it up. He's crying in tears. And he said, there's no logical explanation of this. How is this happening? The same place, no additions, same amount of customers. How is this possible? That's what you call barakah. And you're not going to understand it until you witness it. Because Excel and, and QuickBooks don't have an option to calculate barakah. And they never will. Right? Because this is something that is invisible. This is the workings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But we believe it as, as Muslims. So when is this going to come? This is going to come through salah. A person cannot think that risk, barakah will come in the risk at home without salah. So I would remind myself and all of us here to not only perform two rakat salatul hajjah for everything including uh, difficulties in finances, but add with that recitation of surah al-waqi'ah. Surah Al-Waqi'ah every single night after Salatul Maghrib, ideally, if not, you know, before you go to bed, recite Surah Al-Waqi'ah, which is in the 27th Juz. It is the Surah after Surah Al-Rahman. It is about four pages long, five pages long. And you get a habit, inshallah, you read it regularly, you will not, you will not have a problem with that. I mean, you'll be able to read it, you'll even be able to complete it quicker. Have every member of the family recite it. That is a very well worth 10 minutes of your time, brothers. So much running around we're doing because we're worried about college tuition, we're worried about car payments, we're worried about house payments. When was the last time you said, okay, how about let me try out Surah Waqiyah? Right? But that's the problem. We try everything out, but we're not trying out what, where the actual solutions are. So I'm not saying don't try other financial products and meeting your, uh, you know, uh, uh, people who can give you good advice, financial advice. But definitely let's pray Turaqah Salatul Hajjah and add Surah Waqiyah in that. And we'll see that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will put not just increased sustenance because we don't want to just ask for more money that's not a good idea, that's not smart we want to ask for money with barakah because more money does not equal happiness more money does not equal uh, you know, less problems anyone who has any experience in this will tell you this is the truth Nabi alayhi salatu salam like someone said what is falah that you're going to get falah from praying salah you're going to get success some have explained falah they said falah fil akhirah huwa baqa'un la fana it is to remain forever and never to end ghinan bila faqr it is to remain wealthy without ever having to see poverty wa izzun bila dhul it is to remain respected without ever having to taste disgrace wa ilmun bila jahl and is to to have knowledge without ever ever having to taste ignorance and so that's why Nabi alayhi salatu wasalam, whenever he would see a beautiful house, he would see some, a beautiful garden, or anything that attracts the attention of a human being, he would look at it and he would say, Allahumma la aisha illa aisha al-akhirah. Oh Allah, there is no true life except for the life of the hereafter. This is all fake. This is all very short-lived. This is all artificial. It's just a matter of time before it all ends. You know, 
this is, there's lots of stories about this, of a person, subhanAllah, you know, uh, uh, who, uh, who, who walked in and, you know, there's so many different stories about this. A person walked in with his kids into a, a jewelry store with his wife and his kids and, and he didn't have much money, but his wife wanted to buy a piece of jewelry. He said, oh, I got to make her happy, but I don't have the means. I don't know what I'm going to do. And then he's looking at the store owner there and he was, and he see him crying. And he's like, you know, he saw maybe tears of joy. And he's like, my God, man, if I was like this guy, look, at he owns this whole store. And he owns all this jewelry. If only I could have him, if I could have the money he had, man, how, how nice my life would be. How, how happy my wife would be. Come buy her this one day, buy her that one day. Afterwards, he goes up to him and, they, and he speaks like, you know, I saw you shedding a tear. Tears of happiness or whatever. What is this? He said, no, not tears of happiness, tears of sadness. He said, why is that? He says, because we've been married for so many years, we don't have any kids. And I see you walking in with your, with your children. And I started crying thinking that, my God, I would do anything. I'd give my whole store to have kids. All right, so this is the reality of the world. Everyone is thinking the other guy's got it. But really, the other guy is looking at you and saying, you got it. And we're, by this, we just waste our time. We don't even enjoy what we have. Just enjoy what you got. We're always looking at the other guy. And the other guy's looking at you, and you're looking at him, and you're not looking at what you have in front of you. And you end up losing everything. The opportunity, the, the time limit that we have to enjoy what we have, the blessings, we're just wasting time doing nashukri and being ungrateful, comparing what others have, somehow not knowing that they're doing the exact same thing. Right? You're looking out the window uh, on one side, looking at that house like, man, I wonder how, how nice that house is, bigger than mine. And the guy next door, he's looking, doing the same thing to you. SHL, right? You know, this is how it's going. SubhanAllah. Right? So the, the competition is what has destroyed us. Al-Hakum takathur Your mutual competition has destroyed you. Al-Hakum has made you heedless. Has made you what? Heedless. This is such a powerful ayah. All this continuous competition of materialism has made you heedless of your death, made you heedless of meeting Allah, made you heedless of the akhirah. How long? Until you go visit the graveyard. Yani until you're done. This competition is going to keep on going until you're going to get into the grave. Right? This is the takathur. This ayah tells us why there's all this wastage on every material thing outside there from homes to cars to, uh, to, to marriages to events every single thing is all about takathar how can we outdo someone else? how can we outdo someone else? beloved brothers we should live nicely enjoyably whatever risk Allah has given you enjoy it thank Allah for it but we should not live with the desire of competing one another this is useless haram no point right? whatever risk Allah has given you use it fully and thank Allah for it but do not do a single, don't add one square foot to your home in competition. Don't add one, you know, one, uh, uh, you know, one uh, addition to your house or one new addition to your garage with that, this is what my neighbors did. So I have to do that. If we can just make toba from this sin, our life will be very enjoyable. No one is saying that you have to live in poverty. Live and enjoy whatever Allah has given you. But the idea is not to compete and compare with one another. So Nabi alayhi salatu salam, what do we say? Allahumma la aisha illa aisha al-akhirah. Once, someone gifted Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa a very nice, beautiful, uh, you know, garb. A shawl or some shirt, qamis. He was wearing it, the sahaba, you know how happy they are to see their Nabi as the most beautiful makhluk of Allah, walking in, wearing nice clothes. So they complimented, they said, commented, Ya Rasulullah, you look so nice. Right? They commented on his clothing. They said, this is looking very nice. Immediately, what did Rasulullah do? He turned their attention foran, immediately to Akhirah. And he said, لَمَنَادِرُ Saad fil Jannah." He said, the handkerchief of Sa'ad, who has already become Shaheed, he's in Jannah, are far better than this. 
The handkerchief. You're talking about the kameez. Even the handkerchief that you have to just wipe things of Sa'ad radiallahu is more valuable than this, this, and this. Meaning more valuable than the whole world and so forth. That was how Rasulullah did. That's why when we notice when we're driving around, spending time with our family, anytime we notice any member of the family saying something which would mean that they are downplaying the risk of Allah that you and I are enjoying, downplaying the blessings of Allah that we have at home, we immediately we have to turn their attention towards Akhirah. We have to turn their attention to being grateful because these type of statements can land us into big trouble. Right? How come we don't have this Baba? How come we don't have this Ami? How come we don't have that? These type of statements should never happen in our home. Anytime this statement happens, we have to correct it. So this is another beautiful thing that we learn from Salah. Number one is the fact that this is the coolness of the eyes of the Prophet ﷺ. This is the means of sustenance and risk that Rasulullah has, has mentioned. And that this will give us uh, iman. That's why we'll see that Salah has been mentioned from these qualities, the first one and the last one. Beloved brothers, one thing one says is that this salah that we have, that we're, gonna, we're praying regularly, if a salah is done with iman, if there's iman behind that salah, and not salah that is based on culture, salah that's based on habit, salah that's based on environment, then a person will be the same inside the masjid and outside the masjid. But if salah is based on basic, uh, uh, you know, go with the flow, everyone's praying, so I pray. I don't know why I pray. Then what's going to happen? You'll see a whole different side of a person as soon as he leaves the masjid. And this whole two-faced business that we talk about, hypocrisy that we talk about, that how is it a person can pray salah and then steal and cheat and deceive? That's because that salah is not based on true iman. It is not possible that a person has true iman and can be doing all of these things. Nabi to believe in Allah, to believe in the angels, to believe in the prophets, to believe in the day of judgment, and to believe every good and bad happens by the decree of Allah. This is one of the definitions of iman. So, ask yourself, if you are in front of two people, or even one person, would you end up doing something disgusting, disliked, repugnant, something that is shameful. If you're in front of two people, would you do it? Of course not. Now imagine you have angels. You have angels. Who? Two people. Two angels. One on your right, one on your left. They're writing, Kiraman katibin ya'lamuna ma taf'aloon. Allah says in the Quran, they're the honorable scribes. They know everything that you do. They write everything that you do. How can a person be continuing to sin when he is aware? If he believes in Surah Infitar, and he believes that there is uh, you know, angels to the right and to the left writing. How can he have that? How can he be, how can he sin when he has belief in Surah Qaf? That what Allah says uh, that every single every single statement. There is not a single statement that a person utters except that there is a watchful angel there. Every utterance. Even if you utter under your breath something, every single thing is being written, everything is being recorded. How can a person disobey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when a person has the belief of that? Right? How can a person who believes in the, in, the, in, in the Qur'an, seriously, how can a person who believes in the power of the Qur'an say, I would rather choose someone uh, who is wealthy but doesn't pray over someone who prays and has less money? Every day this happens. What type of son-in-law you want? What type of wife, daughter-in-law you want? What type of husband you want? What type of wife you want? Person wants this job, that job, this job. How many times do you see in the so-called biodatas requirements? How many say that must never miss his fajr salah? Must have a, a hizb that he recites of the Qur'an every single day? 
We know I never saw that yet. It's usually all profession. This is what should be making. This is what we're the criteria of it. And a person, if you give him some rishta of someone who performs, say, "Bye, with ziyada nikni yeah? We don't want someone too pious. We don't want someone too pious. I mean, brother, these type of statements keep it to yourself. Don't say it. Because subhanAllah, can you imagine? I don't know, I think the arsh of Allah will shake when you say things like this. I don't want someone too, too fearful of Allah. I don't want someone who's too righteous. Astaghfirullah Like, I mean, I'm sinful, we're all sinful. We hope one day we become righteous. But they say that there's something called too righteous, too pious, I wouldn't want, I wouldn't want that to come into my family. Now, what happens? That means that iman and the Quran is actually weak. We're saying we're believers. We all know, we're saying we're believers, but chalk is cheap. That's not what it's about. Iman is... A believing slave is far better than a disbelieving slave Even if you like a disbelieving slave Meaning a disbeliever may have great qualities Great characteristics Maybe an amazing basketball player But if a disbeliever You cannot be more attracted to them Than a believer Who doesn't have those physical traits Or that wealth, whatnot. Naturally the heart must be inclined towards the believer Because he has La ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah in his heart and so your love for La ilaha illallah must make you like a Muslim. Now, why is it so important? Because sometimes you get burnt from Muslims doing business with them and other things. And so, yes, we have been burnt. No, definitely all of us probably have somewhere or another. We have burnt other people too. We forget about that. How many people have gotten burnt by us? How many people have gotten burnt by our parents, by our children, by our siblings? We only think about other people burning us. But unfortunately, we're not, you know, angels either. We have done a lot of harm probably to others. May Allah forgive us and allow us to repent. But the idea is, a person should not allow the bad experiences he had with Muslims to overshadow the iman that Muslims have. This is an important point. Very important point. That a person cannot say, I, I hate Muslims because of doing business with them. That is a very huge, uh, what you call, uh, you know, a very, uh, uh, um, what are you going to say, a, a big swipe at the entire ummah. As I remember Junaid Jamshid, if I'm not mistaken, Rahimullah used to say, by people always bashing, you know, people say Pakistanis are like this or Fulan is like this. He said, by don't make wholesale ghiba. Yeah? Did you remember this? He used to say this. He said, wholesale ghiba. You took a whole nation, you threw them in, into the mud. A whole nation. You make ghiba against one person. Now you say the whole, all these people are like this. Palestinians are like this. Pakistanis are like this. Fulan people are like this, etc. Et so we have to be careful about not backbiting. So here also, let not our bad experiences with Muslims make us say something like, I'll never want to do business again with a Muslim. Then in that, in that regard, why not say, I'll never marry a Muslim? And never, I'll never allow my children to marry a Muslim. Why? Because I've seen 10 Muslims get divorced. Yeah? And I've seen horrible things that Muslim husbands have done, and I've seen horrible things Muslim wives have done. Hence, I want to marry, Allah forbid, a disbelieving, and I want my kids to marry a disbelieving. Where is this logic going to take you? That is why you have to make sure you, we don't, uh, not only don't say these things, which is very common in our society, in our community, but also don't allow, uh, correct people. They say, no, an action is different, iman is different. The iman is something that will always overtake everything. Eventually a person will be forgiven. It might be after a long time, whatever the case may be. What else is iman? I'll give you an example of iman. The Prophet said, imatatul adha'ani tariq. To move something away, harmful from the pathway, this is iman. Bid'un wa sab'un shu'ba. More than 70 branches of iman. The highest being uh, La ilaha illallah. The lowest being removing something harmful from the path. So, if you see a, 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 a glass bottle, and you see a, a butt of a cigarette, you see something filthy, some dirty, something on the pathway, you pick it up and removing it. That's what your iman will make you do. If a person has iman, he will not say, This is not my yard. He will not say, This is not my driveway. Instead, Iman will say that it doesn't make a difference. 
People walk by here, why should there be something? Oh, you will not say, I didn't do it. The idea is, Iman will say, no, we need to make path and make the pathway clear and clean for anyone who walks by here, be it Muslim or non-Muslim. And that's what Iman will make a person do. And the Prophet said in another hadith that, that Iman is a person stays away from haram and a person stays away from greed and desires. Don't be greedy over what other people have. Do not look with eyes of envy over what other people have. And similarly, stay away from haram. Another hadith about Iman, Nisfani, Nisfu Sabrin wa Nisfu Shukrun. That Iman has got two parts. Half of it is patience and half of it is gratitude. And that's how Iman is. That you, every day you have things to be grateful for and you have things to be patient about. You cannot have only shukr, shukr, shukr. It doesn't work like that. There are most definitely this world is meant to be a, a place of test and a place of gratitude. That's why Nabi alayhi salatu wasalam, he would say that I, I want to be such a servant that fasts one day and eats one day. So why? When I, 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 fa- I, I, I eat and I do shukr, I fast and I do sabr. Nabi alayhi salatu wasalam, one day he entered his home. It was very common. He'd enter his home. He said, is there anything to eat at home? Is there anything to eat? And his wife said, there's nothing. House is 100% empty. Rasulullah said, إِذَنْ أَنَا صَائِمْ If that's the case, then I'll just fast. I'm fasting rather. I'm fasting. I've begun my niyyah fasting right now. Because there's nothing at home. So this is the type of life he led of, of sabr and shukr. Al-Iman was sabr was samaha. Another uh, statement. Iman is about being patient and samaha about being forbearing. About letting things go. Let it go. Let it go. Right? So there are people who will do things to you that are not nice, but you let it go. Another hadith, a statement of Ali radiallahu anhu, Al-Imanu ma'rifatun bil-qalb. Iman is to know with your heart that, uh, that what is the truth. To know it from your heart. Deep down, know it from your heart. Number two, qawlun bil-lisan. To utter the statements of Iman through your tongue. And number three, amalun bil-arkan. It is to make sure your limbs follow along with what you have said. So if a person says, I believe, but doesn't say it, Iman not complete. If a person believes, he says he believes, he says he, he, he believes it, he, he uh, ex- expresses himself, but his actions don't line up, unfortunately his Iman is also not complete. That is why wherever you see in the Quran where Allah subhanahu wa speaks about Iman, what does he say? And those who do good deeds. Right? Those who do good deeds. So beloved brothers, what I was saying that when salah is connected with iman, then what's going to happen? Outside life, inside life will be the same. We will not have this hypocrisy. Because a person will realize in, in front of who, uh, who am I standing in front of. Nabi alayhi salatu salam has said, As-salatu nurun. Salah is nur. When you have, when, by performing salah properly based on iman, Allah will put nur in your heart. What will this nur do? This nur will allow you to differentiate between right and wrong. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, Ya ayyuhalladheena amanu in tattaqullaha yaj'al lakum furqana. O believers, if you fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah will give you furqan. Allah will give you that light that will allow you to differentiate between right and wrong. My brothers and sisters and dear listeners, this light has unfortunately dimmed quite a bit right now. That people are just so confused about what's right and what's wrong. And <clears throat> because the, the pollution of sin has increased to such a degree that questions that pre- prior, previously 20 years ago people would never ask 
is this permissible or not have now become the norm because people are confused so how do we how do we get back on track is to increase our salah with concentration devotion and say ya allah the way your prophet said salah is nur i'm asking you to put places nur in my heart that's why one of the duas that rasulullah sallam used to perform, recite when coming for salatul fajr right look that up if you salatul fajr dua Allahumma ja'al fi qalbi nura wa fi basari nura wa fi lahmi nura wa fi dami nura wa fi ayni nura wa fi sam'i nura wa fi bashari nura wa fi adami nura right wa fi lahmi nura wa fi mukhi nura wa a'tini nura wa zidni nura wa zidni nura wa zidni nura wa ja'alni nura and the long dua oh Allah put nur in my heart put nur in my eyes put nur in my ears put nur in my bones put nur in my bone marrow put nur in my flesh put nur in my blood Put nur in front of me, behind me, to my right, to my left, above and, and below. Ya Allah, increase me in my nur. Increase me in my nur. Increase me in nur. Grant me nur. Ya Allah, make me nur. Subhanallah. So much emphasis while going for Salat al-Fajr in the darkness. Right? So when, you know, just think about that. That's a dua that we should recite. Pull it up on your phone. Read it when you're going for Fajr in the darkness. Right? Ya Allah, it's all dark and I'm going for you. For you to the house of Allah in the, in the night. Bashiril al mashaina ila al masajidi fi dhulami bin nur tammi yom al qiyamah. Give the glad tidings to those who walk in the hours of darkness to the masjid. Like you all came now for Salat al Isha. Maghrib, Isha, and Fajr. When you come into the masjid, towards the masjid at night time, the Rasulullah is saying, give the glad tidings to people who frequent the masjid at these hours. Give them the glad tidings of complete nur on the day of judgment. This hadith is not saying that whoever goes to the masjid at night time, they'll get nur. No, we're being told in this hadith to go tell other people. So all those people who come for Fajr, all those people who come for Aisha, stand up and tell them, meet them on the, sh- on the, on the way out. Say, brother, I want to give you the glad tidings of complete nur. Seriously, that's what this hadith is asking us to do. Give the glad tidings of nur to the people who come for salah, fajr, maghrib, isha. Right? So we should all give glad tidings to each other. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us worthy of this glad tidings. And may Allah make you and I from amongst those who are super regular in coming to the house of Allah in the hours of darkness. Ameen, Rabbil Alameen. What are they gonna get? Nur tam Complete nur. Not small nur. Not extinguishing nur that's coming in and out. No load sharing. Huh? Complete nur. Non-stop. Full. <coughs> On the day of judgment, when there, that's a day of darkness, oppression will be giving a person layers of darkness on the day of judgment. And the people who are punctual with their salah will be getting nur. And so this nur is not about just looking bright and beautiful and handsome and attractive. That's part of it. Definitely those who pray salah, their faces become very attractive. Those who pray salah regularly, especially tahajjud salah, most definitely their faces become very illuminated. But we're not just talking about the illumination of the face here which is also there. But rather, it is the illumination of the heart that will help us distinguish right from wrong. And that's the key thing. And that's what we all need. If, if it clicks for you of what to do, that's what every dad wants for his children. That's what every mom wants for the kids. My son and daughter should just understand. I don't, they don't need me a push. They're 18 years old. Why can't they get it? Why is it only when I tell them they do stuff? Why, should, why don't they just get it that this is their benefit? And, and if they leave it, it's harmful. Because they're missing out on that nur. If they get that nur, if they're seven years old also, they don't need to be told. If they got that nur, they will be able to practice. So this is the dua we should be making for ourselves and our children. And the ummah, that Ya Allah, place the nur of iman in the hearts of all of us, by which we can differentiate between right and wrong. Then that nur will tell them, who is a good friend and who is a, who is a bad company? Who should we stay away from? 
Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, Inna fi Indeed, there are grave, great signs in the punishment of the sinners in their dwellings. There's great signs, mutawassimeen. For those people who have basira, who have foresight, those who have the nur of iman, when they look at places where adab of Allah had come in the past, they will wake up and learn a lesson from that. Okay, this is interesting. Places where adab have taken place in the past, Rasulullah told us to pass by it while we are crying, taking a lesson from it. But unfortunately, those same places of adab today have become now places of tourist destinations. People are going there, spending thousands of dollars to enjoy. Like there's no other place on earth that you could enjoy a walk in the park. You had to go to a place where Allah's wrath came. It's just so crazy, right? SubhanAllah. You know, if you're if, if, just think at home, you're, as a father of the household, you are really mad about something horrible that happened at your house, right? And you're in, the, in your bedroom or in the family room or whatnot. And you are really upset. You threw a big fit because something legitimate, something really bad happened. Now imagine the other kids. They're like, okay, we're going to play cards. And they come right in front of you and start playing cards. Like seriously, you can play cards, but why right in front of me? Right here in the same room where I just got so mad. Why in the world would you come play cards right here? What does that mean? There's complete disregard of my anger. You don't care. You can, you can holler all you want. Life is going to be as normal as it was before. We're going to sit there, order some lemonade and, and play some cards over here. Right? That's what it would mean. Absolute disrespect for authority. So when a person goes and celebrates and enjoys a vacation at a place where Allah's adab has come, that's what it is. That you said, Ya Allah, you brought it on, I don't care. I'm right now, I have it enjoying myself. So this, what happens? In order for you to reflect on the place, even if a punishment took place 10,000 years ago, 5,000 years ago, 2,000 years ago, whatever. In order to understand what's happening, and to reflect on it, you need to have certain nur. When that nur is gone, you're not going to understand it. You're going to say, but it's, but, but it's beautiful. Who cares it's beautiful? The fact that there's a wrath of Allah came here, means you need to get out of here. Right? That's what the Quran is saying. In after talking about how Lut salam's nation was completely destroyed, he says, there's great signs in here for people who have that foresight. Right? So where does that foresight come from? That comes from Salah. Right? Allah Wasallam also said another hadith, Be afraid and be wary and take, be cautious of the foresight of a believer. Firasa. Foresight. For indeed, he looks with the nur of Allah. Allah gives him his portion. Allah gives him nur. Look at nurillah. It's nisbah towards Allah. Through the nur of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he is looking. So when a believer, a true believer speaks, when a true believer gives a decision, when a true believer gives an opinion, it's not just any random opinion. When he speaks, it's based on something that your experts don't have. And that is why it's been mentioned uh, by one of the uh, Sahaba, if I'm not mistaken, that when you take opinion, if, if I'm not mistaken, it was Umar al-Khattab, that when you take the opinion of people, uh, when you take mashwara, make sure you're not just taking the mashwara of people of ilm, people of knowledge, but also he mentioned specifically that when you take mashwara about big decisions or small decisions, make sure you're asking people of taqwa. Make sure you ask the people of taqwa Because when there's taqwa in a person's life Then he's got this special foresight This special nur By which he will be able to give you an opinion That another so-called expert will never be able to Give you that opinion N- Another thing about salah We talked about how this is the coolest eyes This is the nur Salah to dhikr Salah is the dhikr in the remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Allah azza wa says Wa aqimis salata li dhikri Right? 
Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, establish salah for my remembrance. Establish salah for my remembrance. So what do we understand here? The purpose of salah is... The, pur- the purpose of salah is uh, remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And if a person does not do the remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then his purpose is being removed. Okay, so Aqim Salat al Dhikri. I'm saying the Prophet I'm sorry, Allah says that Salah has been established Salah for my remembrance. So we understand from here that if a person stands up in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and he is not remembering Allah, this is horrible. We've defeated the purpose. Because the purpose of Salah was to actually increase our remembrance of Allah. Let's ask ourselves what, different, what is the quality of our Salah? Sometimes a person remembers Salah more outside than inside. He starts his prayer, and now you got a million thoughts and ideas are coming into our mind. This is naturally shaitan is going to do this. So you're going to have to force yourself back. Shaitan will tell you, go to sleep, pray your isha afterwards. Get up and pray your fajr afterwards. Right? Naturally, these things happen, and you don't listen to that. So similarly, when, when we're praying salah, and shaitan comes and takes our imagination and our thought process elsewhere, we have to bring it back. So every single posture, we need to self-check. Okay, well, am I focused right now or not? When you are reading on your own, definitely, that's there. But additionally, also when you're standing behind the imam, we have to force ourselves to concentrate in whatever is being recited, even though we may not understand it. And you know, some people say, oh, if you don't understand, oh, then how can you focus? You will see people performing salah, who obviously do not understand a word of Arabic. But you'll see that they will be trembling and shaking when the imam is reciting. Go look in the haram. How common is that? You know, the bunch of people who are non-Arabs. And does every single person who knows the Arabic language cry when the Quran is being recited? Of course not. There's people who are disbelievers from the time of the Prophet ﷺ till today, whose Arabic is their first tongue, mother tongue. Yet they don't even believe in the Quran. So do not think that in order for me to take effect from the Quran being recited in Salah, I must know. Does it help? Of course it helps. Of course it does help. But that's not the prerequisite. The prerequisite is true iman. Prerequisite is true relationship with Allah, love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's what's going to help us focus in salah. Uh, Nabi alayhi salatu salam, he's mentioned about how that the salah that is accepted is that that is based on dhikr. If a person does not have the remembrance in salah, then unfortunately this salah is actually thrown back at a person's face. As soon as salah is done, the salah gets raided. The salah gets raided. There are people who get 100%, people get 90, people get 80, people get 70, based on how beautiful and well their salah was performed. And those, Allah forbid, who didn't pray salah properly, even though they actually, in front of the people, they've done it, but they're not focused on it, it's, turned, it's made into like a dirty rag thrown back at their face. May Allah protect our salah from becoming like this. Allah mentions in Surah Alaq, the last ayah, 
He says, perform sajda and become close. Perform sajda and become close. Meaning, salah is the greatest way to get the closeness of Allah. And especially what part of salah? The sajda. That's what Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said in the hadith, أَقْرَبُ مَا يَكُونَ الْعَبْدُ مِنْ رَبِّي وَهُوَ السَّاجِدِ The closest that a person can come to Allah is when he is in the state of sujood. فَأَكْثِرُوا الدُّعَاءِ So make sure you do dua excessively. أَكْثِرُوا الدُّعَاءِ So that's why in nafil salah, we can make dua in sujood. In, in Arabic language. In Arabic, Allah li or whatever du'as you can memorize, all the du'as that you know, that's why I memorize some du'as as well, that we should make du'a during, in the state of sujood. Nabi Sallallahu said regarding salah, as-salatu tuhur. Salah is a, a purification. He mentioned that just like a person goes through five, uh, uh, five rivers or five creeks before he gets home, then just like all the sins will be wiped clean, if he goes through five different creeks, taking a bath in each one, similarly a person who performs five salah every single day, inshallah, by nighttime will be clean. Beloved brothers, this is, this is the key thing that we're missing in the ummah. What does the Quran say? Inna salah tatanha wal munkar. Indeed, salah prohibits a person, holds back a person from lewdness and major sins. What is fahsha? Fahsha means lewdness. All the filth that's in the internet. Everything, all, it's all one word, fahsha. If a person wants to stay away from fahsha, perform salah regularly. Number two, munkar. Munkar means anything that's frowned upon, any other sin that's frowned upon. How will a person stop, get stopped from that? By performing salah regularly. Once a man came, it was complete, Ya Rasulullah, so-and-so steals. Rasulullah said, okay. So, ya Rasulullah, he's stealing. They kept on complaining. The Prophet ﷺ said, his salah will stop him. His salah will stop him. Meaning that salah which is performed with iman, properly, with khushu' that we're studying here, will, will not allow a person to sin. Will not allow a person to sin. I've shared with you in this tafsir session, a story of my interaction with one non-Muslim, right in college time. And the person that, you know, quickly, the person was very impressed by a, 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 a visiting, uh, visiting person from overseas who had came, a uh, Muslim, would stay at their house in the small town where I'm from, from Kankakee, and um, was just shocked. She, when she met me in school, she said, oh, you're a Muslim too. Well, I've only interacted with one other Muslim before. And that was a person from, uh, from Egypt who came for some work over here and couch surfing, he came and stayed at our house. And, and she said that uh, this person joined, uh, uh, stayed with us for five days, joined in all the activities of, of eating and soccer, whatever else they had. But he said, no matter what time of the day or night it was, he would always take permission and said, I gotta go to a corner. And he would pray. And so she told me that I was so moved by this action of his, that that's why, I, she's telling me, I, you know, I, I said that if I ever have to interact with any person, business, especially a doctor, she told me this, if I have to go see a doctor ever, I'll make sure it's a Muslim doctor. And I said, why do you say that? This is the first thing she told me. Why do you say that? And she said, well, because I saw this Muslim guy. He prayed five times a day, no matter what it was. So that means my Muslim doctor obviously will be praying. And if a Muslim doctor prays five times a day, how can he order unnecessary tests for me? And because we're, I think, taking some medical class or biology class, or whatever, right? So how, how can he you know, make wrong decisions just to make money? He would never be able to do that because he's praying five times a day. His prayer would make sure that he wouldn't uh, just do things just to make money. SubhanAllah, she's understood salah better than most Muslims, unfortunately. Importance of what salah was supposed to do. That salah is, is, if a person prays regularly, you cannot sin. 
So now if someone or someone may tell us, but I'm praying, but I'm also sitting. Oh, so that doesn't mean you should stop praying. It means we need to improve the quality of the salah. That's what it is. Are we concentrating in our prayer? How about our wudu? Is our wudu nicely done? Don't speed through the wudu. Yes, don't waste water either, but do it properly. Recite the du'as of wudu. Do you know brothers, there's du'as. How to help concentrate. Imagine you're washing your face and you're reciting the du'a. In Urdu, English, Arabic, your own language, whatever it is. Allahumma bayyid wajhi yawma tabiyyad wa taswad Oh Allah, brighten my face on the day when there are certain faces will be illuminated, faces will be illuminated and certain faces will be dark. Now you're putting water in your nostrils. Allahumma arihni ra'ihat al-jannah. Wala turahni ra'ihat al-nar. Allah, allow me to smell the fragrance of paradise and save me from having to smell the stench of hellfire. Right? Um, you are what you call uh, gargling your mouth, doing miswak, do, a toothbrush. Allahumma tahir fami wa naqi qalbi wa harim jasadi ala nar. Allah, purify my mouth, purify my tongue, purify my mouth. And then purify my heart and then make my body haram on the fire of Jahannam. You are washing your right hand. Allah ma'atini kitabi biyamini. Oh Allah, give my book of deeds in my right hand. Wahasibni hisabi yasira and give me an easy reckoning. You're washing your left hand. Allah ma'atini kitabi shimali. Walami wa ra'idahri. Allah, please do not give my book of deeds in my left hand and do not give it to me behind my back. Now you're wiping your head. Oh Allah, give me a shade under your throne on a day when there'll be no shade besides your shade. You're wiping your neck. Allahumma a'atiq raqabati min al-nar. Oh Allah, save my neck and the neck of my forefathers in some riwayah. From the fire of hell. You are cleaning, you're wiping your ears. Allahumma ja'alni min al-ladheena yastami'oon al-qawla fayattabi'oon ahsada. Oh Allah, make me from those who listen to the words of the Qur'an, the hadith, who listen to it attentively and then are able to practice on it. Right, you're washing your foot. Allahumma thabbit qadamayya yawma tazillu fi laqdam. Allah, keep my feet firm on the day when the feet will be slipping off of the, off of the bridge and falling into Jahannam. Subhanallah. Now you're, then at the end of it, you are, you are reading, La ilaha la wahdu la sharika lahu, lahu al-mulku al-hamd. Yuhayyumid bi adil khayru ala kulli shayin qadir. Allahumma ja'alni min al-tawabin. Oh Allah, make me from those who repent excessively. Wa ja'alni min al-mutatahirin. Oh Allah, make me, from, make me from those who purify themselves excessively. Wa ja'alni min ibadika al-ladhin la khawfin alihim wa la mihzanun. Oh Allah, make me from those servants of yours who have nothing to be worried about in the future and nothing to be sad about in the past. What happens? All the doors of Jannah open up for you. All the doors of Jannah are opening up as you recite this dua after performing proper wudu. So you don't have to say it in Arabic. You can say it. What's going to happen? This is going to f- make you concentrate in your wudu. Now so then you come to the masjid earlier on and you perform your salah properly, making sure your hands are raised properly, hands up. When you're doing takbir al-ihram, takbir al-tahrima, what is it? What are you saying? Ya Allah, you can take multiple explanations of it. One is that, Ya Allah, I am th- throwing everything besides you out of my life. Right? Everything, everything besides you out of my heart. Everything besides you out of my mind. And hands up, I'm throwing it all out. And now, Allahu Akbar, I am bringing your mahabba, your love, your ma'rifah into my heart. That is how you begin your salah. And, and, and the, now you learn the translation of everything that is recited in salah. So from the Surah Fatiha to any of the surahs that we know, learning the meanings of it too. What does Subhan Rabbil Azim mean? What does Subhan Rabbil Ala mean? Making sure our eyes are looking at the proper places, not all over the place. Making sure that when we put our hands below the navel in the Hanafi school, for example, what would that be? This is the, 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 the standing of a slave. What does a slave do? He doesn't sit there relaxing. He's, he, as master has called him, he's going to put his, or someone is in trouble. What happens? A criminal, he's scared, he's looking down. 
Right? He, his eyes cannot look at the, into the eyes of the king, into the eyes of the, uh, the, the, the emperor. He's looking down. He's got his hands tied. He's looking down. See, Allah, I'm a slave that's run away, but I've come back to you. Please, have forgive me. This is the chance, because on the day of judgment, not going to work. This is the chance, five times a day, where we can say, Allah, yes, I looked at something which I shouldn't have. I heard something which I shouldn't have. I ate something which I shouldn't have. I did something which I shouldn't have. Now I've come to you. I, you know, I, I did X, Y, Z sins, but now I'm repenting. Imagine you pray salah like this, five times a day. How can it be a person be sinning? So it's the issue is not that salah, that salah doesn't stop a person from sin. It's the issue of quality. That when our quality becomes good, then we'll see amazing things will be happening. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa said, Allahu Akbar, you know, not Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa The Quran says, O believers, do not even come to salah while you're drunk until you know what you're saying. You, you know that there were stages in which initially uh, liquor and wine became haram. Initially, it was made haram before salah. That a, you can drink if you want to, but you cannot drink right before prayer. You have to make sure you're not drunk during prayer, right? This was one of the stages. It's ajib, you know, how slowly it takes 2,000 years for humanity to catch up. Today, I just saw a news article that says now, apparently January is dry month or whatever. You, people are not supposed to be drinking in January. Is that what it is? Allah alam. Right? SubhanAllah, we have dry life. Alhamdulillah, may Allah keep, protect us all from this filth. Umul khaba'if, the mother of all evil. But it's like, oh, how can, you know, consider extending it beyond that? And then they're like, the article was from some science or health, uh, you know, magazine, that... Um, any traces in any amount of alcohol now research finds is harmful. <laughs> SubhanAllah, right? This, this morning I saw it. Right? So I was like, okay, you'll, you'll figure it out. You know, it might take you a couple more thousand years to completely all believe in it. But this is the reality. Beloved brothers, I want to be honest. I'm going to mention it right here now. This has become a problem. I wouldn't think of giving a khutbah on it. But I actually today I was thinking I should need to give a khutbah on this. The amount of how common this issue has become in, in our Muslim community is crazy. The, the secular, non-masjid going, unmasked group, okay, fine. It's sad, but that's there. But the people who show up to salah also, once in a while, or more than once in a while, inna lahu raji'oon and who are now unfortunately have a habit of once in a while drinking too or more than often and that is very scary right this is the reality of it it's happening too often and the college youth is what we what we say is that it's finished it's a pandemic it's endemic within the college youth college kids it's just so ask the college students here they'll tell you of how many of their roommates their classmates muslim mates at school are drinking it's such a normal thing and we don't speak about it so we don't realize it and as as moms and dads we think like, ah, oh, no way, that could not be happening. But I promise you, it's, it's much, much, much worse than you and I think of it. Think of it to be. May Allah protect us. But this is really big problem. If, if, if someone goes down this route, it's very hard. You need like, I don't know what type of pick, a tow truck to pull them out from this. Because the shayateen that land upon a person who starts drinking are so many, it's like an army of them comes in. And so, the, you know, a person sins here and there, okay, fine. But when this, this person becomes a, uh, gets a habit of drinking, then it becomes so difficult to repent and get out of other sins. Because this drinking will lead to, of course, interest, will lead to zina, of course, will lead to, you know, disrespect of parents, will lead to, uh, you know, neglect of salah, neglect of Qur'an, and a whole host of other major sins. And it's very hard to help these people. So brothers and sisters, please be careful about your youngsters, about your youth, about your college-going youth. Please, you know, don't just go ask, Beta, do you drink? Oh, it's not going to work like that. I'm not saying say that, right? Don't go ask your son of you. It's, it's the fact that we have to create an environment where their mind would never even go towards that. Right? We have to work in the iman. 
and salah that just you have to that's why because if you if you pray five times a day how, how can you be drinking if you pray five times a day regularly with proper khushua a person will be shaking in front of Allah he won't be able to do that that's why the quality of the salah is something brothers and sisters what we need to be working on so what do we say the Quran says do not come close to salah while you're drunk until you understand what you're saying so that's why the ulama is saying that Salah is about being able to focus on what you are doing If a person does not know what he's reciting Or what the imam is reciting Or what's going on, he's drunk It's like he's drunk in Salah right? So how is that Salah going to be uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, powerful When a person is He doesn't know what he's saying So we cannot have autopilot Salah Is what we're talking about In order to make it effective what else is salah? Salah is munajat. Salah is one-on-one speaking, whispering. It is communication with Allah. Nabi Alayhi Wasallam said in hadith, it's mentioned in, in, in some books, لَوْ يَعْلَمُ الْمُصَلِّي مَنْ يُنَاجِي مَلْتَفَتَ If a musalli were to know who he is speaking with, he would have never looked the other way. He would never allow his attention to drift away if he only knew who he is speaking with. Alright? That's why munajat, what is it called? Whispers. There's a beautiful book on dua that we have here. It's called Munajat Maqbul, Accepted Whispers. Munajat actually comes from the word of Najwa, najwa to have a quiet, quiet mashura or quiet consultation and um, whispering to someone. So Munajat is like Salah is your whispering to Allah and sharing with Him your story of your life, your story of your day. Because so many of us, we've got some crazy stories. We say, I need someone to listen to me. I've got so much going on in my life. I need a shoulder to cry upon. But guess what? The shoulder that you're going to cry on, he needs also a shoulder to cry on. And the one you need to shed your tears in front of and, and, and share all your problems with, guess what? He's also so stressed out, he needs someone before he listens to you. There's only one being who you can pour it all out anytime, anywhere. And that's Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? May Allah make us from amongst those who pour our secrets out to Allah azza wa jal. Who pour out everything we need to pour out because that's the only place where it's worth it. Truly. Then after that, you can go share with anyone else. As-salatu aqlun. Salah is understanding. This is the ninth point I've mentioned on salah. Right? What is that? Nabi alayhi salam said, Laysa lil mar'i min salati illa ma'aqla minha. That there's, you are not going to get anything of salah except that which you understand from it. That salah, everything you have, whatever you're, yani, whatever you're appreciating of the salah, whatever you're understanding of the salah, is what you're actually walking away from it. If you didn't understand what happened, if you didn't understand what you read, if your mind was not there, then yes, you can say, I ticked it off, but we call, we call that like, you know, just filling up the blank, khanapuri, you just filled it up. But besides that, you didn't get, it's like using a computer to do your homework, right? The latest technology to give you all the answers. Do your homework. What, did you learn from there anything? No, you just turned in the paper for the sake of turning it in. You never learned anything. Number 10, as-salatu uruj. As-salah is climbing up. Where? Climbing up towards Allah. Mi'rajul mu'min. As-salatu mi'rajul mu'min. Salah is mi'raj of a believer. Just like Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa received salah in mi'raj. You all are aware that every command of Allah, Allah Jalla Jalalu sent angel Jibreel with revelation to the Prophet sallallahu that here you go, this is what you have to do. This is jihad, this is zakah, this is sadaqah, this is charity, this is being good to each other, being good to your neighbor, etc. But when he come for salah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did not send Rasulullah did not send Jibreel to Rasulullah instead the other way. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala asked Rasulullah to ascend the heavens and said, For this, I'm not sending it through Jibreel. I'm asking you to come. 
I'm asking you to come and receive this obligation. That is the quality and the value of this salah that sets it apart from everything else. So it's not just like Rasulullah did mi'raj to receive his salah. We all have the opportunity for our own personal mi'raj through salah. Isn't that amazing? You have the staircase being opened up for you and I every single day. They just start up salah and you'll see, uh, you know, everything you want. So we, we talked about salah being dhikr, we talked about salah being a, a purification, we talked about salah being a nur, we talked about salah being filled with concentration, we talked about salah being a, a, a qurban, a means of closeness to Allah, we talked about salah being a secret, sh- sharing secrets with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we talked about salah being aqlun, something that you're understanding, we talked about salah urujun, we talked about salah being a staircase to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, right, into His pleasure. When Nabi alayhi salatu salam saw a person, a Bedouin, playing with his beard during salah, the Prophet said, لَوْ خَشَعَ قَلْبُ هَذَا لَخَشَعَ جَوَارِحُهُ If there was khushu' in his heart, then there would be khushu' in his limbs. Meaning if there was concentration and devotion in his heart, then you would have been able to see it being displayed externally. The fact that a person is scratching and fixing his beard, and fixing his topi, and fixing his kurta, and fixing this and that, and, uh, and etc. All these type of things is because, and that, by the way, some people go to Arabia and they go buy the ghutra and they go buy the, sh- uh, the, the shimal and rumal and stuff like that. You know, that they sell there, the, the, the red and the white scarves. And then they think that now they, they get excited. They say, now I'm looking like this, so now I'm closer to, also, to Allah. Azza wa Jal. So then what happens? They pray salah with there and they don't know how to wear it. So then every single second they're sitting there fixing it. And they see people in video doing it. I don't care who, which imam from where is doing that. That's not for sure. Wallahi is not khushur. This is not salah. That every single second you're fixing your astaghfirullah al You're fixing your topi one second, you're fixing the rumal, you're putting it on this side. What is this, man? We're standing in front of a mirror before you go to a party or what? This is salah. You're not supposed to touch any of that. You're not supposed to be touch any of that. Nabi alayhi salam said that, uh, you know, a person, he said, a person who's fixing the place of sajda because there's too many. Pebbles. You know how hard it is to make sajda on pebbles? So sometimes, because that's how it was, there's no carpet like how we have here. Nabi alayhi salatu wasalam, you know, he, uh, he said that if a person, and the gist of, the, of what he corrected a person who was asking, Ya Rasulullah, can we fix that? That if you do it more than once, or you do it excessively, you've destroyed your salah. You're not allowed to even unnecessarily fix the spot of sajda. Much less say, oh, I see a grain of, of, of some dirt here, let me pick this up and put it in my pocket. You can vacuum the masjid by all means. You're more than welcome. You know, afterwards. But not during salah. During salah, we should not be working on any of our, uh, on the area where we're making sajda, not fixing things, etc. So, Nabi Alaihissalam saying, if there's khushu in his heart, the word khushu would be externally as well. What, an, what, what a learning, uh, you know, a, a point for all of us to learn. And um, one of the, Mulana uh, Yusuf rahmatullah alayhi, Kandalwi rahmatullah uh, uh, one of the elders who's written a great book called Hayatul Sahaba, you know, the stories of Sahaba. So I've heard this story attributed to him that one day he was sitting uh, on, the, on the sufra, on the dastarhan, on the, on the table cloth, and he was eating. And, you know, people, there were brothers doing khidmah. It was like an ishtima. So people were doing khidmah. Someone brought a plate of gravy, salam. Gravy in the plate and placing it. If you ever go to the ishtima, the brothers are serving, you know, they serve the food in the, in the plates and serving to the people sitting on the ground. So as he was serving the plate of salan, of gravy, what happened? Some of it tipped over. It happens, right? 
tip over. So subhanAllah, what he apparently he told that person who's, from whose hand some of that gravy tipped over, he said, please focus on improving the quality of your salah. Right? Meaning if you performed proper salah with khushu every single day, you would know how to hold a plate. And you would know how to balance yourself. The fact that you can't balance yourself properly and you're, and you're falling like this, and you can't keep a plate straight, means you're fidgety and you don't, if you stand five times a day for 20 minutes without moving, like, like a brick wall, you definitely know how to keep balance like this. So meaning if salah comes right, then we'll know how to put our, we'll know how to come on time, we'll know how to put our shoes in the shoe rack, we'll know how to stand straight, we'll know how to do everything with tartib, everything, our whole life will come right. If our salah is actually properly done. So when people say, oh there's people who pray salah but they got all these mistakes, going back to what I said earlier, if you're doing salah for the sake of doing it, it's not based on true strong iman. It's doing it because everyone else does it. It's what's normal, it's what's natural uh, in your community. You're just going with the flow, then my beloved brothers, it's not gonna happen. And I'm gonna tell you when we're talking about khushu over here, is that if a person does not do ta'deelul arkan, if a person does not do proper sajda and rukur, then there's a big chance that actually yani his salah is completely invalid. Meaning, there are many people, literally the salah is invalid because they do rolling stops. Right? When you do a rolling stop, you know what a rolling stop is, right? When you just stop a little bit and move on. So similarly, some people go into ruku and then, and then up. And then go into sajda and then up. They don't actually go do a full stop. That's invalid. You have to do, if you do it once, according to some opinions, you have to do sajda so. Other opinions, you have to repeat the salah. But a person has to do every rukun, every posture of salah, slowly, properly, in its correct time. A person cannot do rolling stops. So that means we have to slow the speed. So now what should we do? We need to learn how to slow our speed. So what do we got? You have to have, make a habit. How do we make a habit? That's why now let's choose a time of the day. Isha time is nice. Say after Isha, I'm going to pray my two rakat sunnah. Extra slow. Look at the time. Nine, you know, 8.20, I'm starting. Okay. I'm going to pray. I'm going to make sure. I'm going to pray these two rakat minimum, minimum like five minutes. Right? 8.27. Five minutes. I make salam. I look at it. It's 8.24. All right. I'm going to pray another two. Pray another two. Because I ended too early. Right? Make sure you, you, you time yourself. Do whatever you need to. Put a stopwatch. No problem. There's nothing wrong with that. Put a stopwatch on. Say, uh, or a timer rather. Right? So that your person knows that until this alarm goes off, I'm, I'm going to be continuing my rakah. That's why performing long nafil salah is very beneficial to help build concentration. So to use, use this exercise every day. Start off with a two rakah nafil. And, for, and number two, when it comes to fard, I told you when you're praying behind the imam, keep on reminding yourself in each posture, what am I doing right now? Like, get zone back in. Shaitan's gonna pull you away, get yourself back in to say, where am I? Where am I? Get yourself back in to say, okay, I'm in this posture. He'll, he'll divert your attention, come back. He'll divert your attention, come back. My beloved brothers and sisters, if salah, our salah becomes proper, Wallahi, our dunya is made, our qabr is made, our akhirah is made, everything is made. We'll get risk also, we'll get sustenance also, we'll get honor also, we'll get jobs also, we'll get a great spouse as well. Everything will happen if our salah was taken care of. This is when Nabi Asallam said, Man aqamaha faqad aqamad deen, wa man hadamaha faqad hadamad deen. Whoever establishes it has established deen. Whoever destroys the salah has destroyed the whole deen. And for men, that is why we should try our best to perform salah with jama'ah in the masjid. We talked about, uh, mashallah, a lot about coming in the night, hours in the night. That's great as well. Anytime we can, try our best to perform at, in the masjid. And for those, for those prayers that we can, 
as we're at work or at home uh, for something during the day, etc., then try to perform in jama'ah at home. But my beloved elders and brothers, I, I'm saying this for myself and all of us. If we live under 10 minutes from the masjid, 7 minutes from the masjid, please try your best to pray all your salah that you're at home in the masjid. Leaving the jama'ah should be something that is an exception, not the norm. Not the norm. It's all about creating a culture. You just have to create a culture at your house that we have to come. That's it. And the day you and I make this decision, it'll, it'll, Allah will make it easy for us. But you, how, why will Allah force you to do it when you and I don't even want to do it? When was the last time we said, yes, I want to, but I'm feeling lazy? Okay, then Allah will make it easy for you. But if you say, if we do, you and I don't even make an intention, so why? It's not Juma yet. Why should I come? Right? If that's the culture outside, then of course we're not going to get the tawfiq to come. So please let us make this niyyah today that we will try to pray as many salah as possible in the masjid, say inshaAllah. Especially Fajr, Maghrib, and Isha. And those that were not praying in the masjid will pray with jama'ah. And that we will try to pray two rakat salah slowly every single day. And we'll pray two rakat salah al-haja for risk if we have issues with the risk or any other thing. And recite surah al-waqiyah as well for our risk. And that we, are, that we will not pray salah because of the sake of doing it, but we will realize who we are standing in front of. The court of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Focus and concentrate and make the salah a means of the fulfillment of all my needs. When you stand up after salah to make dua, say, Ya Allah, if I'm not going to be able to get whatever I want right now through salah, how am I going to get saved from Jahannam through this? Ask yourself this. And ask Allah for the nur of iman, the nur of salah by which you and I will be able to differentiate right from wrong. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala um, accept from me if after spending one hour on this topic of salah, if, uh, you know, if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives me and, I, and you and all, all of us the tawfiq to, uh, to perform salah better, this was a, the most well spent hour of our life. Right? So I request your du'as and I'm making du'a for you also that may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala truly give, make us from amongst those who are steadfast in our salah and whose salahs are um, um, beautiful and, and, and are great. I mean, Rabbil Alameen. Inshallah, we'll go to some questions. Um, and yeah, so if you don't get uh, tafsir reminders, please quickly si- uh, sign up for the weekly tafsir reminders via text. And if you've got questions, you can now scan the QR code and ask anonymously. Or go to slido.com and type in 790-1287. 790-1287, inshallah, to get um, the, your questions answered. Additional reminders, inshallah, next week. Um, we'll have, we'll have our, our, uh, our fundraiser our banquet with Imam Zaid Shakir. Please do not think this is someone else's banquet. This is your banquet. The Walima of Darussalam is the Walima of every single person who benefits from this place. So this is the annual Walima that we have at, at, uh, at, the bank, at, at Shalimar. So please take this, regard this as your own. I request everyone to regard this as your own. Be passionate about it. Purchase your tickets, please, on your way out. There's some students possibly will be selling some tickets outside. So please purchase your ticket right now, sisters and brothers. There's, you can purchase on the kiosk. If you are listening online, you can go right now to our website and purchase it as well. Make niya of that $100 being a sadaqah. All right? Make a sadaqah, niya of sadaqah. And like we talked about, supporting students of knowledge will give you, inshallah, a lot more sustenance. So when you're giving $100 to Darussalam, you're in reality supporting, mashallah, over 450 students of knowledge from across the country that are studying here uh, full-time. So alhamdulillah, that's an amazing uh, gift that Allah is giving you to be able to support them. 
um, and come at 5 p.m. And we're going to have tomorrow evening, Wednesday, after Salatul Isha, a volunteer meeting for all the brothers. So I request every one of you to please kindly attend. Again, take this ownership. Take it as your own. If you are a business owner or a professional who has a professional office, I will request you to please be, consider becoming a sponsor for this event and invite your business partners and contacts to become a sponsor. Make niya of sadaqah, number one, and number two, to show your support for this type of gathering and not this type of gathering, rather support for Darussalam's activities. So we're looking for sponsors. Uh, you can reach out, email us, phone, uh, meet one of our volunteers here at the t- while you're drinking your tea um, and learn how you can become a sponsor for this event. And then Alhamdulillah, our Tafim classes, mashallah, began last week. Great response, great feedback, great attendance. Alhamdulillah, I'm very happy. May Allah continue to give istiqamah to all those who signed up. You can still sign up. It's offered online and on site, both for brothers and sisters, high school students, college students, working professionals. Um, it's a great program. It's, a, it's a Saturday and Sunday. You can choose whichever track you want from 10 a.m. till Dhuhr. Classes are recorded in case you miss any of them. Fiqh of marriage and divorce, the very important class. I, 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 I don't have words to explain how important it is. Fard, really, you have to, have to, have to learn how to save uh, our marriages and how, what it means the rights of the husband are, what it means the rights of wife. People don't know any of this stuff and they're running their marriages right into, into destruction. So get your sons and daughters to take these classes. Yourself, please take these classes. Even if you've been married for many years, SubhanAllah, how many wives are oppressing their husbands who've been married for 30 years? How many husbands are oppressing their wives who've been married for 30 years? Why? Continue down that path. Right? So don't think if you're married that you don't need to take this course. And then there we have a tajweed class, four rightly guided khalifas. And then on Saturday is a fiqh of halal and haram. Misunderstood verses. This is a very interesting class. All those verses of the Quran that non-Muslims quote and take out of context or Muslims get confused about. Say the ayats of jihad, ayats of slavery etc etc those are the ayats that are mashallah explained that's a beautiful course and then the heroes of Islam that's, that is taking place also okay so let's take some questions inshallah can I make dua while making wudu where I make wudu is part of the bathroom well in that case then you can make dua from your heart you don't have to um, use your tongue to make dua how to perform salah while traveling in an airplane previously on short flight on international flights or short flights too we'd, we would have a much more leeway and, tra- and going to the back alleyway and, or what do we call that the gallery area and to, uh, to, to pray but now it dep- depends you know it, the people sometimes many of the domestic flights first of all there's absolutely no space probably in most all domestic flights and so and the international flights many of them don't allow some of them do allow it just depends so in this case you would play in a pray on your seat in whichever direction the plane is going, you know, and then afterwards, um, you can repeat your salah, once you arrive at your destination, repeat it, obviously facing the uh, qibla properly also, and making sure, why are we repeating it, because not only you don't have the direction of the qibla, additionally you're sitting down, when qiyam is fard so that's why we'd repeat it after we arrive um, how, how do we seek forgiveness for missing salah, alright and, and uh, so the way you, we do that is istighfar. Look at the look at the cards we gave. You have you, you all of you got cards in your hands? Yes? No? Look at that. That's an istighfar card. This is such an amazing thing, man. It's such an amazing resource. Seriously, look at the back of that card. Use that QR code. Allahu Akbar. It's so amazing. All the virtues of istighfar, the ten different ways of doing istighfar, um, uh, how to manage your time to increase the vicar is all mentioned on there. 
right? So it's an amazing resource in one, st- one place on our website. Okay, can you pass the cards to these brothers here? Maybe they didn't get them over here, right? So, so just pass them around for you're more. We, we have extra, obviously, so give it to people who didn't get, they can, they can carry it and get more. So I want you to take this home and mark it, right? Did any of you bring it back completed? Can I see any show of hands? Did anyone bring it back completed this week? This week? Anyone here? Any individual brought the card completed? No? Nobody? Okay, let's may have a different answer next week, huh? It, it tell you, 100 istighfar takes you one minute. 100, right? And so inshallah, if you, that, that card is, stands for 5,000. So here, here, this side. Give the cards over here. So that's why, inshallah, if you just work with your family and friends, uh, uh, and, just, and make niya, that inshallah, you're gonna do at least 5,000 men next week. Say inshallah. Right? And then if you're not here next week for some reason, you can go to the, go to the QR code and up, upload it. All of you are listening online, please make knee of doing a lot of istighfar uh, and, and po- posting it up upline, inshallah. Okay, does Dar al have a matrimonial service? No, it doesn't. But participating in tafsir might help on site. You might see someone, mashallah, sisters see sisters, obviously brothers see brothers, not the other way around. But alhamdulillah, you see someone say, mashallah, this would be a great guy for my sister. This would be a great... You know, a, a great person for my brother. Um, but inshallah, later on, hopefully, if Allah wills, we're doing a lot of things. We hope one day we can do that as well. And so, seek you for uh, how to miss, not miss prayers at work. The way you have to do it is just like you don't miss your flight. Right? You have to, you have, if you have fikr for it, you won't miss it. If you have fikr, worry about it. Right? So that's why you have to put alarms and you have to tell those around you if there's Muslim co workers or even non Muslim co workers who care about you. Say, hey, just can you just. Just touch base with me at 3 o'clock. You know, I got to take care of some things every day. And so, just touch base with me. Figure out a way. And of course, alarm on your phone. That would help. Okay. Um, how to maintain concentration prayer when Imam is leading the prayer, reads a longer surah. My mind always begins to drift. So you, what you got to think is, you got to focus on what is being recited and think that these are the words of Allah. I don't understand it, but it doesn't make a difference. These are the words of Allah. Right, let me listen to it. People listen to this, uh, music that's composed by so-and-so. They listen to these other things, the lyrics of so-and-so. These are the words of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah has a spoken word. What else? You know, this is beautiful. Um, can we make dua for a longer life even though we know our lifetime is predetermined? What's your suggestion? Make dua for a long, uh, yes, you can make dua for a life filled with barakah and there's, and, 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 and there's nothing, and, 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 uh, Nabi Alaihi Wasallam said the best person, the luckiest person is the one who has a long life with, with good deeds. So ask that, Ya Allah, give me a long life with good deeds. I want to show my mom that I appreciate her. But I'm scared because I think she'll tell me something like, do some work and then appreciate. <laughs> This is a sad reality, right? This is, this is not deen. If someone wants to come and show their appreciation to their parents, mashallah, we don't need to learn from non-Muslims to express love to our parents. Our deen tells us that if you see a random person that you appreciate, you need to go tell him. A man was sitting with Rasulullah and said, Ya Rasulullah, I love this person. I like this person. Rasulullah said, did you go tell him? He said, no. He said, go tell him. So imagine mom and dad. Imagine son and daughter. Another person said, Ya Rasulullah, he saw Rasulullah uh, kissing his grandson or one of the kids. He said, Ya Rasulullah, I've got 10 kids, I've never kissed any of them. He said, what can I do if Allah has taken away mercy from your heart? What can I do? So showing love and appreciation is part of the deen. And so don't worry about what people say. You continue doing the work and also appreciate your mother in whatever way um, you can.
what is the best way to increase khushu? I hope I talked about that. Right? Did we not? Right? Or maybe we need to talk about how to increase khushu in the tafsir session. <laughs> Joke. Right? So, the quick answer is lengthen your prayer. Right? Do proper wudu. Slow down and do proper wudu and concentrate as you're doing wudu. Think about all the sins that are being washed off. And then choose a proper place to pray your salah. Um, uh, uh, clean external external cleanliness is very important. Like create the mood. Like now you wear nice clothes. What are you doing? Where are you dressing up? Where are you going? We're going out. I'm going to meet Allah. That's what I'm doing. Yeah, that's why I'm dressing so nice. What do you put it on ithar for? What do you put it on cologne for? Because I'm going to go meet Allah. Subhanallah. So now you're creating the mood for it. Um, that's going to help concentrate. Can do our salah become a means of our major sins to be forgiven? You need to separately repent from those specific major sins as well. You have to. You can pray salah to tawbah for a specific major sin. That's fine. But if you just pray daily salah and you're not thinking about your major sins, you're not repenting from them, then that's not enough. A person needs to think about that. The difference between salah to hajjah and salah to shukr is performed the same way. It's just a salat al-shukr is salat when you are thanking Allah for what you have. And salat al-hajjah is you're asking Allah for a need of yours. And salat al-hajjah is usually followed up with a dua of hajjah, which is authentic hadith of Rasulullah Allahumma la ilaha illa al-hayyim al-kareem, subhanallahi rabbil ash al-azim, walhamdulillahi rabbil alameen, Allahumma rasulika mujibati rahmatik wa azayim maghfiratik, till the end. So you can find this in books or online. Salat al-hajjah, dua al-hajjah is the one that needs to be recited after that. Nafil salah, can it be prayed at home? Yes, it should be prayed at home and in the masjid. Because many times we don't pray at home, we don't pray in the masjid, so we're going to pray at home. Then when we go home, we also don't pray. So that's why we should have a section, a, session, a portion of nafil salah to be prayed in the masjid to make sure we're at least doing some. And then definitely the rest of it we can do at home. What does a person of taqwa look like? Or what characteristics do they have? That's a very beautiful question. They are, you know, for another day maybe, inshallah. But um, I can quickly tell you that a lot of places in the Quran mention the detailed uh, descriptions of it. And one is Surah, uh, what you call Al Imran, fourth, fourth Jews, fourth Jews, the second quarter. Fourth Jews, second quarter. If you read that section, uh, yeah, number, I don't remember what ayah number that is, but it is the ayah, U'iddat al-Muttaqeen. What ayah number is that? Or, yes, what ayah number is that? Al-Ladheen yunfiquna fi sarra'i wa darra'a. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Jannah has been prepared for the people of taqwa, and then the qualities of the people of taqwa are mentioned there. Very beautiful section to study. Uh, okay, so that's a description of the people of taqwa mentioned in Surah Al-Imran. Where do we get all the du'as that you mentioned during wudu? This is usually, I memorized it when I was studying Nur al-Idahu. Years ago, with my ustad, uh, which is the book of fiqh, the ascent to felicity, translated, uh, has that, right? As, uh, what ayah number? Ayah number one thirty-three. Ayah number one thirty-three of Surah Al Imran is where the description of muttaqin is mentioned. So you can find those du'a books in ascent to felicity. To my knowledge, that's where you can find the, uh, the du'as of, of wudu. Is it okay to pray qada instead of praying sunnah? You must pray sunnah mu'akkada. They emphasize sunnah, you have to pray. You cannot pray qada salat because there's two things. Emphasize sunnah is sinful if you continuously neglect it. But it is more important to pray qada salat than to pray nafil. 
Should we shake, can we shake hands with female superiors in a job interview? What is the correct way to go about it? MashaAllah, we have a lot of working professionals here who can give you better advice on this topic. The answer obviously is no, but how to go about doing that? You can, you know, there's different ways of doing that. You can do the oriental handshake, right? Uh, right? <laughs> Just kind of putting your hand on your, on, your, uh, on your chest and kind of nodding like people do in some parts of, you know, Asia. Um, uh, and otherwise a person can you know, some, some people wear gloves, some people, uh, nowadays is uh, COVID season, <coughs> so they just cough a little bit, uh, right? So everyone's going to say no. So I think it's alhamdulillah things, there's different innovative ways of doing that. And then sometimes people just straight up send an email to say, you know, this is all about what? Diversity training, my God, right? Subhanallah, man, it's crazy what, what type of era we're living in. So if you are allowing all sorts of crazy accommodations for, for Allah knows, for taghiri khalqillah, for people changing the way Allah created them, then you should accommodate men and women uh, who don't feel comfortable shaking hands with someone from the opposite gender. So, I mean, you may even choose to send that email. And I'll tell you, dear brothers and sisters, Allah give you a nice strength. It's about iman. Once you put your foot down from day one, you see how life will be easy. Don't be shy from taking permission from job. Like a brother just messaged me earlier on this week, said a brother took a job that's not allowing him to pray Jummah. Can he follow live stream Jummah from work? And the answer is no, bhai, you can't. But why did you accept that job? Right? You have to be able to go tell him that no, I need time off for that. And if we're scared from the first day, then we're going to be scared for the rest of our life. And we're never going to be able to do that. A Muslim brother came back from Hajj. He went to go pray, he went to join it back to work. He told me the story himself, almost crying. He said, I came back from Hajj. And I was scared to take permission to pray Dhuhr and Asr, and I was missing it. Qadha. Hajj. But I was missing his prayers. Until there was a Jewish person in my company who looked at me and said, you know, like whatever his name was, Muhammad or whatever. He says, hey, aren't you a Muslim? He's like, yeah, I'm Muslim. I just came back from pilgrimage. Hey, don't you got to pray? And he's like, uh, yeah, but you know, I'm kind of scared. And then he asked that Jewish person uh, earlier on, he said, there was an office party last night, Mr. So-and-so, you didn't, you didn't, you didn't come. And he said, why would I come? They were having drinks. I don't, I'm not going to come part, join an office party with drinks. He said, but it's an office party. He said, so what? <clears throat> I just told him I don't drink and I don't participate in gatherings where drinks are served, so I didn't show up. He's like, wow, man, you got like guts to, to say that. And then, then he asked him, you're a Muslim, right? So then well, how about prayer? <laughs> so then he's like, uh, I'm scared to ask, you know, subhanAllah. So this Jewish person went to HR and said, my friend here, Muhammad, needs a spot to pray. You all need to give him a spot. And so he got him a spot to pray. And then every couple days, he literally look over the cubicle, Hey Muhammad, did you pray yet? Right? Yahudi. Jewish person asking. So he, this brother was sharing this story to me and saying like, man, what's, like, may Allah guide me. Like I went for hajj, but I don't have the iman to stand up and take permission. Here's a Jewish person facilitating this. So we have, alhamdulillah, a lot of amazing uh, uh, freedoms in this country and amazing opportunities. It's the weakness of iman sometimes that we can't do that. May Allah give me and you and all of us that, that super strong strength to be able to do all that, inshallah. Alhamdulillah, I think we answered majority of the questions. Um, and if whatever said was correct, it was indeed from Allah. Many mistakes were made. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgive all of us for that. Ameen, Rabbil Alameen. Let's do a few minutes of dhikr. Let's move, come closer, please. Let's come closer together. لا إله إلا الله محمد رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم 
Oh Allah, O oh merciful Allah, we ask you to forgive our major and minor sins. O oh Allah, those that are committed by day, those that are committed by night, those that are done individually, those that are done collectively, those that have been done once and those that have been done repeatedly, those that we have repented from before and those that we have never repented from before, those that we have done knowing it's a sin and those that we have done unknowingly that it was a sin. O oh Allah, O oh Allah, we ask you to grant us all a strong resolve to leave all of these disobediences, acts of disobedience. O oh Allah, we ask you to grant us all a firm resolve. Ya Allah, grant us tawfiq, grant us strength. Ya Allah, Ya Allah, grant us strength to be able to give up sin. Oh Allah, we ask you to grant us the tawfiq to do what is pleasing to you, Ya Allah. Grant us the ability to remain steadfast in our performing of our salah, steadfast in our daily dhikr, steadfast in our daily visits to the masjid, steadfast in our weekly or in regular attendance in gatherings of knowledge and dhikr. Oh Allah, there's so many brothers who used to come and sisters used to come but who are no longer able to make it, who are no longer here. Oh Allah, we ask you, Ya Allah, you are well aware of each and every one of them. We do not know who they are, we've forgotten who they are, we haven't seen them. Oh Allah, but you're well aware of each one of them in their various situations. We ask you, Allah, to please remove all the obstacles that they're facing in their lives. Oh Allah, there's so many who message, who say they would like to come, want to come. Last minute, every single week, things come about and they're, they're, they are not able to make it. Oh Allah, we beg you to please do not deprive them. Please do not deprive them. Please do not deprive them. These are sincere brothers and sisters who want to come towards you, who want to change their lives, who are going through a lot of spiritual difficulties. Oh Allah, and who need, Ya Allah, gatherings of knowledge and dhikr, who need your attention and your rahmah that descends in such gatherings. Oh Allah, please allow these brothers and sisters who are receiving the notifications, who are receiving the invitations, and who are wanting to come but are not able to make it, Ya Allah, bring every one of them, grab them by the forelock and bring them, Ya Allah. Oh Allah, those who are able to make it, Oh Allah, grant them istiqamah. And those who attended today and attended and who, who attended in the past and who will attend in the future, and oh Allah, make it easy for every single one of us to immediately put things into practice, Ya Allah. Allow our lives to become changed, allow our lives to change, allow our lives to change, allow our life of sin to be replaced with a life of obedience and good deeds, Ya Allah. Fill our hearts with the nur of Iman, the nur of Quran, the nur of Salah. Oh Allah, grant us the ability to concentrate in our Salah. Grant us the muhabba in the, of, of yours during is in and outside of Salah. Allow us to lead a life of obedience in and outside of Salah. Oh Allah, grant all of us shifa and cure from any spiritual illnesses, physical illnesses, mental and emotional illnesses. Oh Allah, financial difficulties. Oh Allah, grant shifa and make it easy for any and all brothers and sisters across the ummah, especially those who have contacted us, who have asked us for help, who are expecting us to help them. Oh Allah, we ask you to grant them all ease in their difficulties, ease in their difficulties, ease in their difficulties. Grant shifa and health to all those who are sick, Ya Allah, both physical and spiritually sick, Ya Allah. Oh Allah, we ask you to put barakah in our ilm, barakah in our amal, barakah in our actions, barakah in our knowledge, barakah in our wealth, barakah in our time, barakah in our, in, in our children. Oh Allah, whatever we put our hands in, put barakah in it, Ya Allah. Oh Allah, oh Allah, we ask you to allow all of our upcoming events, Ya Allah, to become extremely successful, extremely beneficial. And oh Allah, huge, and allow them to become a huge mercy to the ummah. Oh Allah, whatever permissible desires and needs any one of us have, and whatever issues any one of us are sitting with as uh, today, oh Allah, we ask you through the barakah of tonight's gathering that you remove all of our worries. Oh Allah, make our life easy. Ya Allah, make it easy in this world, in the qabr, and the akhirah. Ya Allah. Oh Allah, we ask you to grant our parents, our teachers, the best of both worlds. We become pleased with them, Ya Allah. Subhana rabbika rabbil izzati amma yasifuna wa salamun al mursaleen. Walhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Ameen, ameen, ameen. Jazakumullahu khaira. And, and, and uh, enjoy the tea and make dua for those brothers who have prepared it. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh.